When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This week, we're delving into another paranormal case. Could we have found the most haunted house in Leeds? Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week we're looking at what is claimed to be Leeds's most haunted house. This week we'll be chatting to Anne Bateson, mother of three from Leeds, who has chronicled the extraordinary events taking place in her family home of 17 years, Westgrove House in Leeds. This house was built in 1868 with yellow stone walls, a well, disused coach house and walled grounds. Anne fell in love with this imposing and grand detached property immediately. But little did she know that when she moved in with her husband Martin and her three daughters, they were about to embark on their own paranormal journey. She has had a lifetime of strange experiences, from ghostly apparitions to dreams predicting the future. In the house, they witness ghostly sights, sounds, orbs and poltergeist activity, with frames and objects being flung into the middle of the floor. One of the strangest parts of this are Anne's vivid dreams when she was younger, predicting things to happen, which then came true. These strange events then also followed her to her workplace. We'll be speaking with Anne later in the show, but before that, let's hear from Lisa about her experiences at Dorchester Prison. Yvette, Carl, Watson. Hello, my name's Lisa, and I had the pleasure of being part of one of the most haunted experiences that took place at Dorchester Prison last weekend on the 23rd of July. Uh, As I'm sure you're more than aware, the group was split into two and my group went off to the educational wing of the uh, prison and uh, a variety of things, uh, calling out, etc., took place. Uh, It wasn't until um, I was placed in the centre and we they decided to do a human pendulum pendulum even session um that i first sort of really got involved they were asking questions of spirit and i think i was pushed forward for yes and backwards for no Uh, my daughter was in front of me catching me initially and although i do remember some of the questions i don't remember much about the experience i know i was there i know i was involved but it's almost like it i dreamt it 
It's, it's a very weird thing to try and explain. I do remember it that I think it was somebody that had served time for drugs offences. They'd killed somebody. They weren't remorseful. And that's about all I remember, really. But partway through that session, uh, I do remember my daughter having to leave because she was feeling sick. So she went off out of this particular room at the top of the stairs and went off down the corridor. And I didn't really pay much attention because the session continued and somebody else stepped in to catch me. A little while later, the session sort of fizzled out and I also ventured then down the corridor. I sort of passed Ellie as my daughter um, along the way, but she seemed fine at that point, and I went into the toilets and tried some scrying in the mirror. I had a, a picture come into my head while I, in my head, listen to me, uh, while I was scrying, but I'm not sure if I saw it or whether it's just something that came into my head. But like you always say, if something's coming into your head, it's coming into your head for a reason. But it was an older gentleman with quite a square-cut jaw and he had quite unusual hair and as much as there were three locks, three curls on the top of his head and his hair was quite full and quite greying. Uh, it could have been coloured hair, I suppose, but I saw the image in black and white, which is bizarre in itself. Although I guess we were in the dark, so I don't know. Anyway, um, I became aware partway through this uh, scrying that I could hear crying and I recognised it to be my daughter. So I left the room rather rapidly and almost uh, adjacent to the toilet entrance is a room that I'd passed on the way down the corridor and been struck by the wallpaper on the exterior of the wall which is another bizarre thing to say but I just remember thinking oh that wallpaper is significant parts of it were bold in pattern but the bold bits had discolored to a sort of chocolatey brown and the recessed bits had stayed cream and it just looked really menacing anyway so um i saw my daughter and she was bawling absolutely bawling and i asked her what the matter was you know quite concerned and she was like almost angry with it she sort of pushed me away in some respects and said i'm not upset i'm just just i don't know i don't know why i burst into tears um it's that room it's that room and the room she was pointing to was the room with the wallpaper on the outside of it and she said there's something wrong with that room there's something wrong with that room so i went into the room and to be honest with you nothing really struck me at the time um anyway we then all regrouped back in the room where we'd done the pendulum and your lovely husband appeared to sort of get an update and see how the group were doing um and ellie blurted out probably louder than everybody else there's something wrong with that room sort of gesturing down the corridor um and bless him he was on it like a I don't know, wrapped up a drain pipe. He went down the corridor at a rate of knots. Uh, Ellie followed him very closely. And then not wanting to be left out, I tagged on behind. And I think it all happened so quickly that the only people that sort of realised what were happening was myself, Ellie, and Jenny, bless her, came too. Uh, we ended up in this room. I'll call it the wallpaper room. Um, and Carl's initial response was... Oh, the atmosphere's heavy in here, isn't it? And Ellie sort of ventured into the room, although she clearly wasn't happy about it. And then the tapping in the wall started. It seemed to respond predominantly to Ellie. 
Now, Ellie is uh, a young lady, beautiful long blonde hair, big wide blue eyes, young, petite, bless her. But she's got a force of nature within her, so she started calling out and asking questions of this knocking. Copy this. So it would copy the three knocks. And Carl starts to look more interested. Um, and then she would say, are you a male? Two for yes, one for no. And then we all started, we all started asking questions and it would answer these questions with the knocking in the wall. Now the wall, exterior wall is a solid Victorian brick wall on the first floor. Uh, unless somebody was levitating on the exterior of the wall, there's no way it could have been anybody creating the situation. Um, but the most perplexing part of, of it all, Carl then said, are you in prison for murder? Yes, comes the response. Did you murder a man? No. Did you murder a woman? Yes. And I don't know why he then asked, but he then pointed at Jenny and said, did you kill this woman? No. Did you kill this woman towards me? No. Did you kill this woman towards Ellie? Yes. And Ellie's then like, well, clearly you didn't because I'm still here, you dickhead. <laughs> but we went round the houses asking questions. I, I mean, I then said, you know, to Carl, we incarnate as part of our higher self, don't we? Not all of us incarnates, just part of our soul because we're just too powerful to incarnate in one one whole. So I was thinking, well, perhaps he killed her in a previous life. Perhaps he killed uh, another part of her. But we went around the houses over and over and he kept coming back to... In fact, if you asked a question like... Well, just said something like, well, you couldn't have done... Clearly, there was just silence, and he really only did respond. And I said, responding, referring to him as a he, it's ridiculous, really. But spirit clearly only responded to the yes-no questions, or if you asked it to copy a pattern of a rhythm, it would come back with the exact rhythm. But we went at it from a variety of different angles, but we couldn't get it to shift from the fact that it had killed Ellie and had served time for it. Um, and like Carl said after we finished, in 20 years, I've never had that. I don't understand what that was all about. Um, and neither do we, really. <laughs> but we have, on occasion, been to a spiritualist church. And when the mediums are working, my daughter, on occasion, not all the time, but on occasion, will describe somebody that she sees standing in the room when they're not there. So my daughter, I think, has got some gift in spirit connection. I'm her mum and I have no clue, she's never had a near-death experience that might link her to the other side. But she has got something. Um, anyway, the rest of the evening went quite quickly. Yeah, so that was our experience. Um, and we look forward to seeing you next week because we're joining you again at Hack Green Nuclear Bunker. Thanks for listening to me rambling on. Take care of yourselves. Oh, and I hope you liked the painting. And I've done another full facial one of Watson for you to have next week. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much, Lisa, for your wonderful voice note. Uh, I'm really, really fascinating. The first time I watched a human pendulum in progress, I have to admit, uh, I was very, very sceptical. The person in the center of the circle will be heavily influenced, their minds taking guesses and answering, perhaps subconsciously. That said, I decided to have a go myself. And let me tell you, it was a really odd experience. I remember feeling this pressure in the lower part of my back and being pushed forwards. Then the pressure moved to the tops of my legs. And then I remember falling backwards. It was really a very odd feeling. And when the session finished, I felt really out of it and incredibly dizzy. I didn't remember any of the questions asked. And since having that bizarre experience, I'm not as skeptical anymore. And I'm going to make a suggestion. Why don't you ever try at home and see what you get? I can hear you now saying, bugger off, Yvette. I'm not doing that and certainly not in my own home. Fair point. Well, why not try a small pendulum then? I have one and I've used it on this show some months back when we were talking about divination. Again, I was not 100% convinced until I used one myself. It was fantastic. Go on. If you haven't got one, go out and buy one and give that a go. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Mum's The Word is a brand new parenting podcast hosted by me, Ashley James. Pregnancy, piles, and all the other problems that come with parenting, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Join me each week on my journey through motherhood as we celebrate the amazing highs as well as the lows. As it's my first time, we'll have celebrities, experts, and hopefully you guys too who will help me figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search Mum's The Word. Now, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome on this week's Paranormal Activity podcast, Anne Bateson, uh, who we talked about at the beginning of the show, who has chronicled her own experiences in her haunted house in Leeds. Hello, Anne. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Yvette. Thank you very much for having me on. 
No, not at all. Now, I'm intrigued and very, very excited. And I've had a look at some of the pictures of the house. And it's, for those of people who haven't seen it, it's your typical Victorian double-fronted house, isn't it? I mean, it's, it is. And um, when I saw it, I went, oh, I'm jealous because that looks really <laughs> lovely. But tell us, so you've lived there for a very long time, similar to the amount of time we've stayed. We were in our house for 20 years, but you've been in there 17 years? That's right. Yeah, 17 years. Yeah. So tell us about it. What happened? Um, so um, let me start at the beginning when we went to even look at the house. Um, and I was very much like yourself absolutely gorgeous house it's my favorite era so as we were leaving my husband and I um we decided to take a few pictures you know so you can remember what the house looks like etc and we took a picture and when we looked at the picture later on there was a shadow in the upstairs window top right hand window that we couldn't really explain it was weird um so that was kind of the first thing but it's you don't really think about it um, we knew it wasn't a reflection of the sun or whatever, but we never thought, oh, this is going to be spooky because, as you say, the house looks lovely. It looks very peaceful. Um, never really thought any more of it. And then we actually bought the house and it didn't take long for us to go through that process, uh, but we needed to do a lot of work to the house. It was kind of stuck in the 1950s kind of era. So we had an entourage of contractors due to come to the place. And my husband, Martin, he was there a few days before they were due to arrive just to kind of clear the way and make sure everything was good to go for them and he was on the phone to a friend and as he was speaking as we're speaking now there was this really loud bang um like a door shutting he said and he, he interrupted the call said to his friend I'm going to ring you back there's something uh, happened upstairs he's ran up the stairs and of course all the doors are open so absolutely don't know how that's happened so he's rang me and said you'll never guess what you know like you do um the uh, one that's, that's banging upstairs and there doesn't appear to be anybody here so we then if we fast forward a couple of months the work was done we were ready we moved in and immediately day one day two it started with it sounded as though somebody was actually coming into the house which we knew they weren't because the doors are locked you're indoors you know it's night time but it sounded like somebody coming in and walking through the hall so much so that we'd actually um leave the lounge one of us would and just go and have a look even though you knew there wouldn't be anybody there um and that happened quite regularly uh to the point actually after a few months that we just looked at each other and said, oh, it's that noise again, and just carried on and didn't even used to get up and look. But there was one particular day I was in the kitchen. And as you've said, the house, the rooms are off the hall either side. Uh, and I'm in the kitchen, which is right next to the back door. And I heard Martin and our youngest, Aaron, come in. And I was chatting to them just generally. And I could hear them rustling. and I could actually hear them speaking. And they didn't answer me. So... I kind of got a little bit of annoyed and went to the door, opened the door and they weren't there. There wasn't anybody there. Uh, that freaked me out a little bit, to be to be honest. I actually opened the door, the back door as well, not just the door from the kitchen. Absolutely nowhere to be seen. And they came home about an hour later and I had a chat with Martin and said, you know, it's really weird I was talking to you. I could have sworn that you'd come home. You know, I even asked him, did you come in? Did you nip and go round the other way and then go out briefly? You'd forgotten something, you know, because it was so 
obvious that somebody was there anyway. Needless to say, they weren't. So that was really kind of the start of just really mild stuff. And was that the first time that you thought, oh, I don't like this now. Something's really weird going on. A little bit, made you a little bit on edge. A little bit on edge, but Mm. I don't think I got to that point at that stage because we were really busy. Mm. Um, You don't have time to think about it. I suppose it's it's kind of, you've probably experienced it yourself. At the height of that moment, you feel something and that's how you think. And then you have to move on because, you know, life gets in the way. I think I felt like that if we fast forward a couple more weeks um, when Martin and I were in the kitchen and it's all open. We did it quite a contemporary style in the house. So from the kitchen through to the dining, it's all one huge room with a big bay window. And we were just having a coffee, which we rarely did because we were busy. And we were chatting and it was complete silence. It was just him and I We didn't have the radio or TV on. And um, next minute, this really loud bang, bang bang we jumped we literally jumped out of our skin now it sounded like somebody knocking on the front door except the house is situated in a large um ground sounds really grand but it is in its own walled garden and so nobody came into that door but we ran to um the bay window and we thought it was actually maybe school children had jumped over the wall and they were playing knock and run or whatever. But we didn't see, there wasn't anybody to be seen. So we ran across the hall to the other bay window in the lounge because then we could see around the other side of the house. And again, we didn't see anybody. And so that was very, very strange. Didn't really think too much about that at the time. It wasn't until a couple of days later and I was doing my cleaning, which is my form of meditation, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and, it, and then the thought entered my head. Curiosity got the better of me. And I opened the, the really large original door and there was no knocker. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I just stood and thought, this is, now this is a little bit. And, and that's when I was at the point of, this is a bit strange and I'm not sure whether I really like this now because how do you explain a knocker knocking without a knocker, you know? And it was really loud. So, of course, I phoned Martin and, and said, by the way, there isn't a knocker on that door. That would <laughs> Just to add to the other. Yeah. <laughs> that's so freaky, isn't it? I mean, that's, I mean, it, it was wonderful how you sort of took a step back and went, hang on a minute. I mean, <laughs> and the really realisation hit. Oh, my God, your blood must have run cold. Absolutely. But, I mean, over the years, I've done that a lot. I kind of talk to myself or talk to the house. You know, it's kind of my way of coping and humour as well. Um, I kind of try and laugh about certain things. But there are certain things that, you know, really freak me out and are quite frightening. And it's normally when it happens at night time. So tell us about that then. So moving on from there, now you're like, oh, my God, what the hell's going on? So obviously you've, you phoned Martin and was like, my God, this has just happened. Where did you move from then? You know, what happened next? Was it a couple of weeks? Was it that same night? Did something else happen? No, it was a couple of weeks. And this was when we ha- actually had friends. I'm originally from um, Manchester and we had friends over, a, a really lovely couple for the evening. And we were in the lounge. We had music on. We were having a drink. And um, out of absolutely nowhere, this huge gray mist about the size of a small sofa appeared in the room. Only I saw it, by the way, and it drifted across the room and disappeared into the wall. 
And I remember, I'd, I mean, I'd had a couple of glasses of wine, but I wasn't, you know, I knew how to think. And um, I think I just froze on the spot and couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, and I didn't mention that to anybody at the at the time. I didn't, I mentioned it to Martin the next morning. Because how do you say, well, I've just seen this. I also don't like to scare people, you know, and, and, and you question yourself. And I'm sure you've been in that position as well, where you question, have I really seen that? even though you know you have. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, all those questions are running through my head. And then um, that was that incident. And then an, a few weeks later, we'd been actually over to um, Florida with friends and they were visiting and they'd come in the small hallway where we used to hear people coming in. And I was greeting them and they just, as we were chatting again, completely silent you know uh, we haven't got any neighbors it's not noisy or whatever there was this loud cackling if you imagine a witch's cackle is the only way that I could describe it and literally in front of us it was almost as though somebody was stood in the middle of the three of us and we heard this really loud cackle and we just froze and I thought they'd kind of brought something in the bag a joke or trick or the kids were outside and they weren't so that was another incident that was really really strange and to this day I don't even know why or how or who so it did start gathering momentum in that respect and it and, and it kind of it was me that started experiencing more things and seeing and started to see orbs as well and then you started to have dreams is this further on down and, and, and we'll get to the this bit in the end but it, I'm so excited listening to it because some of the things that happened to you mirrored what's happened to us in our house which is very strange the knocking on the door isn't that weird and that happened to us the same time it was within a few weeks of us moving in knock 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 at the door we didn't have wow. a knock, and it was knocking at the door. We opened it. There was nobody there. This happened so many times. And when I listen to you, I think, wow, how many other people have yeah. experienced something like this? You know, yeah. should we be yeah. piecing these things together and wondering, well, you know, what's that about? Why do they, why do, they do that? Yeah. Absolutely. That's exactly, I'm kind of in that place now. And, um, if I talk to people about my experiences, it's surprising how many people come back and say, well, do you know, when I was younger, this happened to me or this mm -hmm. happened to me. And it's far more common than I think you can imagine, really. And, and it surprises me. Um, yeah, I agree. So that is really strange that we've had the same experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what happened then? So that horrible, I mean, that that must have been a really frightening thing and also quite bewildering because that cackle, I know what it's like to hear growls, you know, horrible, deep laughter. Um, we've captured it many, many times and it does sound like it's right next to you. So you can imagine somebody standing there, but to hear a cackle quite menacing. I mean, that must have really made you, you know, you must have been quite frightened by that. It did, but you can't really show it. You know, um, you know, Aaron was only young at the time as well, so you kind of have to hold a lot of this in. And again, with your friends being there, you you, you kind of move on and you enjoy mm. the evening. But it did start becoming more intimidating, shall I say. You know, you did um, question, for example, when I was in the lounge, there was many an evening where I'd like to go and get a drink and I didn't because I was too scared to walk out of the lounge through the hall and into the kitchen, you know. So that kind of feeling starts getting a hold of you, which 
I hadn't had up until then. Um, and as I say, it seemed to grow in. It's difficult to remember yes, the exact course. order of yeah. everything, yeah. you know. So I can only, I might be going back and forth. But I think the next really profound thing for me that happened was one night when I was actually uh, going to sleep and I felt a presence on the bed. Um, and I was absolutely petrified. It's, it's a fear that's hard to articulate because you'd think, well, you're in your own house, you're in bed, your husband's next to you, you know, what's the problem? But honestly, it's um, just, I was drifting off to sleep and I actually felt something on the bed and it lingered as well. And, and, and again, you question, and this happened quite frequently thereafter. So for the first time, you think you're maybe imagining it. And next morning I thought, well, maybe I was dreaming and I didn't realize I was dreaming, you know, but I knew I wasn't dreaming. But it became that frequent that I was able to talk and think rationally, that I was awake and I'd actually move. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I'd actually say to myself, blink, and I'd blink. And then I'd say, look over to the corner, I'd look over to the corner. That was saying to myself that I knew I was awake um, and that I was aware. So I, I, I kind of did, I was able to get to that point of doing that. Um, but there it was on the bed. And of course, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to ask, whereabouts on the bed was it? And what did it feel like something pressing down as if somebody was sitting on the bed or was there movement on the bed? Yeah, it started with, um, it felt like, I used to have a cat when I was younger that used to sleep on my pillow. And it felt like if a cat walked on your pillow behind you and you'd kind of very gently feel the pillow going down with each little step that's how it started and that was kind of that in, in itself was frightening but then it progressed to feeling as though somebody was actually lying on the bed I could kind of feel the weight um along behind my body and it kind of stayed there oh yeah. man <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. I tell you what. <laughs> I'm laughing now because it's, oh. it is funny, you know, and in daylight, you know, it's, uh, but do you know what happens? So this is funny because I'm lay there and I want to turn around. I want to turn around for curiosity and to think, well, is there anybody there? But then what you get in your head is, what if there was something behind you that was really ugly? <laughs> and you turn around. And, <laughs> and there's something there, like an old yeah. witch staring at you. Yeah. I mean, were yeah. you not, I mean, were you, do you feel paralysed? Could you not wake your husband up and go, Jesus Christ, there's something in the fucking bed. Get up, you bastard. Did you not? Because <laughs> that's what I would do. I'd be screaming the bloody place down. So were you paralysed? Did you feel that sort of sleep paralysis, that state of Jesus, like you're saying, you're concentrating in your head, making yourself look this way and that way. Did you feel that you couldn't you couldn't shout out to Martin? Yeah, I kind of did. It was kind of weird. It's like, you know, when you're just drifting asleep or when you just wake and you're kind of in that twilight zone, it was kind of like that. Um, and I was that frightened. I don't think it was all, it took my, all my willpower to just literally blink my eyes and, oh and my progressively um, know that this was happening and I was awake. That took some time for me to get to that point. So to then be able to think, oh, I need to wait, Martin. And besides, I'd always tell Martin kind of next day. And he was, 
not dismissive, that's not fair to say that, but it was as though he acknowledged it, but it was kind of like, you're frightening me. I don't really yeah, want to know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about crying out loud. If, if that was Carl, I would have been slapping his face. <laughs> get up! <laughs> Somebody in the bed. Oh, I think you're very calm. Very, very calm and collected. Oh, my God. Oh, I've never had that. I've never had anything in the bed. I've had something standing beside the bed. But oh, never, really? never in the bed. I mean, that's <laughs> that's, that's a whole that's a whole new world to me. Yeah, but, but do you know what? When you're saying that you've had somebody stood next to the bed, that doesn't sound much better to me. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are, two women living in haunted houses. Oh my god! What would we do without wine, Anne? Absolutely, I really don't know. <laughs> don't ask the question it's uh, not answerable no that's very true so this so then so this is the first experience you had um in the bed and then like I mentioned before you started having dreams what were those dreams about um well that wasn't necessarily um in the house this was prior when I was a lot younger right Um, and I think this is where kind of all the experience of, in quotes, paranormal started. I was aged about 17 or 18, and I had um, a very vivid dream, which I call a premonition, and it was of um, a plane crash. And the first time that happened, um, it was horrendous because it's, it's, it's kind of like you're there. So you feel that emotion. You know, when you have a nightmare, you, we've all had nightmares. And you know, when you're in that nightmare, the emotion is so strong and it's so real. And when you wake, you're so glad that you've woken up. Well, it was that feeling, but I didn't, it didn't leave when I woke because it wasn't a dream. It was real. It's, it's, it, it again, it's difficult to articulate and I'd feel down for weeks and then I'd read or hear on the news about a a plane crash and there was a particular scene on the news and it was um I can still see it to this day and there was debris floating on the water there were a couple of suitcases there was um a doll and in my dream premonition that scene that I saw on tv I saw in my premonition so I incredible yeah um and it, it was awful and it made me feel really sad, especially seeing the doll, because it made me think there must have been children or a child on board. And that was really hard to um, to deal with. And, and then it happened again. And this was another vivid, what you'd call a, a tragedy. And that happened a couple of times to the point where I actually um, one day just put my hands together and prayed really hard that that wouldn't happen to me anymore and funnily enough it didn't happen in the way of any tragedies but I did have a couple of premonitions that were quite light-hearted uh, for example there was um, an emergency landing at Manchester airport and I told my friend I'd started sharing it with my friend at work and she actually rang me one Friday and said put the news on put the news on we were getting ready to go out for a night out and I said why and she said just put it on just watch this now and again what I saw on tv was exactly what I'd seen in my dream and it was a crash landing and 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 everybody was safe there wasn't anybody hurt and I remember um feeling fantastic because 
it wasn't, nobody was hurt. So I didn't have to suffer for weeks, but to see that. And what was really great for me was I'd shared that with somebody who knew before and then alerted me to that. So that was really quite um, strange. And then without laboring this point too much, the next one that I had was um, a chemical explosion. But what really knocked me sideways was on the news the next day was a reporter again in this um, communal space that people have been evacuated to. And there it was. That was what I'd seen. But what I couldn't comprehend was it happened as I was seeing it or dreaming it. And I found that really, really strange. You know, it was okay. It happened in weeks, weeks um, afterwards. So then I, I had to question myself, was I there? How does that even work that you can see something that next day has happened at the time that more or less the time that you're dreaming it? That's incredible. I mean, we've done a a, a, a program on, you know, um, seeing things, you know, premonitions and talked about it in depth. And, you know, there's definitely something going on there with the human brain and, you know, being able to see these things that happen in the future. Um, and it, it, it really does, like you said, it really does affect people. It upsets them very much because it's so real to them. And then to actually see that, you know, being reported on the telly and so on, it's absolutely fascinating to me. I mean, uh, you know, and, and we've only just scratched the surface, haven't we, with with what yeah. we know, you know, and there's so <laughs> much to discover and, and, and understand. So, so you've always had these dreams, which makes me wonder. So you enter this house, um, you know, that, that you've got. And so you're obviously quite open. You're obviously yeah. quite, you know, open to the other world, as it were. So I'm just wondering yeah. whether as soon as you walked in, and can I ask, how uh, old were your children at the time? Well, um, the, the I've got three daughters. Erin um, was 10. Now the other two were older. They were kind of young adults. So they were out and about an awful lot more. So it, it, it impacted the younger one far more than the older two. And did all the children have experiences in that house? They have. And in fact, only the other day, my eldest, Dion, um, said to me, um, you do know I'll never stay there again, mum. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm kind of like, I didn't. I thought you would, you know, but she said, no, mum, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. She did have an experience, actually. And uh, that was an experience, a shared experience. And it, it, she was frightened, you know. <laughs> I literally, they'd stayed over, the three of them. We'd had a bit of a party. They were all sleeping in separate rooms and I got up in the morning and Dion was nowhere to be seen. And she'd got in with her sister, Lydia. And so when I asked her next day, you know, what, what, what are you doing? why are you not in there? And she said, oh, mum, it was awful. She said, um, it felt like somebody was lying on the bed with me. Oh, again, how interesting. So, but I felt terrible because I purposely hadn't told them because I didn't want them to be scared. Yeah, And yeah. I didn't want them to think, oh, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to stay. So I purposely didn't tell her. But then I felt terrible because I th she was saying, oh, mum, it was awful. And I knew what she meant because I'd experienced it. And I actually did confess then that, well, actually, I've experienced that as well. But I didn't like to tell you because I didn't want to frighten you. Um, yeah. But she actually saw something in the room as well. So... 
What did she, she see? She, well, I um, can't remember how she described it. It was something floating in the corner and it wasn't that attractive. Um, but she did give it a chance. She jumped out of bed, turned the lights on, which is what you do. That was my reaction on, a, on several occasions. And um, she said, I tried to go back to sleep. She said, but... I felt it again. <laughs> it hadn't gone away. She says, so that was it. I just went uh, next door. But she saw, I never saw anything, but she said she saw um, a face in the corner of the room that was quite ugly. Wow. So so she experienced what you experienced, but she's seen yeah. something now. Um, yeah. You know, is the laugh associated to this ugly face, you know, that Dion saw? Um, and also, you know, you, you report poltergeist activity in the house so what's was it violent what was it like um well it was violent enough that it, it was just the same um item as well that used to happen we had um pictures on the radiator cover in the hall and it was one particular picture now this was a picture of four of the boxes because my husband and I were um were boxing coaches uh, part part of our time and um this picture used to just get thrown into the middle of the floor and it always landed face down and was never broken and that went on for several years and it was probably about once a month it was that regular um so that was kind of the only poltergeist activity we had but there is an end story to that and it's um that's in the book the conclusion to that so yeah and that that kind of happened one night when I was on my own and uh, it was probably a little bit like a, a Laurel and Hardy sketch I'll be honest with you because Martin was out at a tournament and I heard this, woke me out of my sleep, this bang crash. And I knew what it was immediately, but I knew that I couldn't stay in my bedroom because I didn't want to assume it was the picture in case we had a burglar or whatever. But, you know, there I am um, in bed and it's dark because I've not got out of bed yet to turn the lights on. And I'm sort of thinking, oh, is that the ghost? And I was quite frightened. And then I thought, well, what if it's not a ghost? What if it's a burglar? And I was quite frightened. So my dilemma was... Do I stay in bed? You know, either way, whether it was a burglar or whether it was a ghost, both of them were frightening, you know, especially as I was on my own. So I dived out of bed, turned the lights on, turned all the lights on uh, upstairs and downstairs, and I crept down the stairs. I don't know why I was creeping, but I was creeping down the stairs. It must have looked pretty comical, actually, all the lights going on and me creeping down the stairs. And when I got to the bottom, sure enough, the picture's there. I picked it back up, put it on the radiator cover and turned around and just spoke to the hall and said, you know, I'm on my own. You're frightening me. Please don't do it. You know, you know, I'm on my own because you can probably see me. And I was even laughing to myself as I was saying it. And then I took myself, left all the lights on and took myself back off to bed. But um, it didn't happen again. But um, I did get a good night's sleep after that. Oh, thank goodness. I mean, blimey, I wouldn't have done. So what? What was? what's the outcome then? Obviously, you still live in the house. Still live in the house. But what happened about 2015, um, Martin and I shared, I was seeing orbs on a regular basis, so much so that sometimes I was that distracted, I'd take myself off upstairs because I couldn't even focus on watching TV. But one particular day, I noticed Martin focusing his eyes on an orb that I saw about tennis ball size floating across the room towards him. And I noticed he was tracking it. And for the first time ever, I asked him what he was looking at and he said, I can see an orb floating towards me. He ran upstairs and he grabbed a camera and he came back down and started taking pictures. Now, we didn't get anything. But thereafter, ever since then, for my own peace of mind, 
I started um, picking my phone up and taking pictures when I sensed anything. So I've actually got an awful lot of pictures of orbs, but I have, it's in the book, um, a picture of, well, it's hard to describe, a figure, a person um, looking at me. And that was, I only took that picture because the dogs had gone crazy one night and they wouldn't go into the hall. So I decided to do a little bit of um taking pictures and sure enough I captured something really quite I think quite frightening you've lived there in your house 17 years and you've had all this experience so now a bit like myself and Carla Mary you get used to it in a way you you kind of like because people say how can you live in a haunted house but you, you just do I am so glad you've said that because you know people say that to me all the time oh I'd be I'd be moving I'd be moving on and I'm kind of like but, but where would you go and if you love the house you love the house you know so now you're you've written a book and what's it I called have. it's called a true story you can buy Amazon online all the high street retailers online and the publisher Austin McCauley. How fantastic is that? And I hope that the book does really, really well for you. And oh, all of the, you know, everybody that's listening now, go and get this book if you want to be scared to oh, death. And oh, I'll tell you what, you. I won't, I'll be honest with you, you might know, but I don't read anything spooky, scary, watch anything like that because it messes with your head. <laughs> it's a weird You're thing. right. Yeah. Oh, you I only do it. Oh, I only do it in the daytime. I don't, I, you know, I struggle nighttime. If I take a book, I actually took your book and oh, read that at nighttime. Yeah. And I could only read a few pages and I was frightened. I was going to say, you crazy death. woman, reading, <laughs> reading scary books in bed in your haunted only, house. Honestly, it took me a few weeks to read it because I could only read a few pages at a time. <laughs> oh, and well, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure talking oh, to you. you. Kindred thank spirits, you. we are haunted Absolutely. house owners. I wish you nothing but the bestest of luck with the book. And uh, please keep in touch with us and let us know if anything strange happens because uh, we'd love to talk to you again about it. And I know everybody listening was would be absolutely thrilled to hear more from you. So wonderful, Anne. Thank you so very much, sweetheart. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and a huge thanks to all our lovely listeners for sharing their paranormal stories with us. You can get in touch and share your own stories at contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. We are on WhatsApp. Please don't be shy. I often talk to people at most haunted events and they go, I'm too shy to leave a voice note. No, don't be slapping your legs. Here's the number to leave it on. 075-999-27537. And we want to know about any paranormal experiences whether it's from seeing i don't know bigfoot in the woods and a few people have actually emailed us telling us that of their experiences to strange creatures in the night to ghosts to ufos anything at all of the weird and strange then please let us know on that whatsapp number of course we are on instagram and here's the handle is at paranormal activity pod now you can stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and we'll be back again same time next week but if you can't wait until then you can visit this address it's www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early stay safe have a great fabulous week and if If anything peculiar, paranormal-wise occurs to you, then report back to base. And remember, things aren't always as they seem.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.